0: Uh, Today is a a little bit of a different day here at Centerpoint. Normally we'd move in this time of preaching right now. But what we like to do about three times a year is we like to take a Sunday and dedicate it to focus in an area where we serve with our mission ministry here at Centerpoint. And so today we're taking and focusing in an area that uh, we really haven't focused a a complete Sunday on. Today we want to move in the area of human trafficking uh, you hear that terminology, it's on the news, it's around us constantly. Uh, it's a growing area where Satan is just doing a lot of battle. And so we need to speak into that. Uh, well, there will be a couple of videos today that we're showing. I'm just going to warn some parents, I, I should have thought about that first service, that there's some stuff on there that may, if you have a young child, this would be a good time to say, hey, maybe you need to go to, back to the elementary area, where they need to be at, or preschool area if they're in here, uh, because it's some stuff that's more adult-geared. So to speak, of the topic that we're going to be dealing with, uh, the book of Proverbs speaks very clearly to what we want to talk about today. And um, I lost my little piece of paper that I had it on. There is a in your bulletin. Someone hand me a bulletin. I had all this earlier. Can uh, thank you. No, just just a little tear off it uh, in your bulletin every week. There is a card that looks like this. It's part of your bulletin you can tear off called a memory verse for the week. Typically ties to our message of that day that you can take that verse home and then you can study it, memorize it. I want to greatly encourage you to tear this one off of here and uh, put this somewhere as we talk about this topic and you look at the book of Proverbs in, in verse 31 there in exactly, or chapter 31 and exactly what it says Uh, Proverbs 31 says, speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute. Speak up and judge fairly, defend the rights of the poor and the needy. I believe we as a church need to do that, and do that very specifically in some areas. And so that's why we're spending this morning focusing in on this idea of human trafficking and so we have three ministries here today that we partner with. Um, most of those have been financial partnerships, and we want to move beyond financial partnerships. We want to move into prayer partnerships and action where we can move into action. And so you're going to get a chance to see a video about each of those ministries, and then a representative from each of those ministries are going to share a little bit. Then we're going to spend a little bit of time, just a little bit of a panel discussion, hoping that our hearts and our minds are just open a bit to this area One thing I believe is that we are not here by accident. Each and every Sunday we gather, I believe God has drawn us to this place, and I believe God wants to speak to us all individually, especially concerning the topic we focus on today. To get us started this morning, we want to show you a video from a ministry called Rafa House. Rafa House's video, I think, does a good job introducing this topic and sharing some of the stats of what is going on across this world And then after Rafa House video, then Angela Foster is going to come. Angela is a representative of theirs who goes into churches and helps share their ministry and their mission. And so Angela will come share uh, briefly about their ministry.
1: 7 million people living in slavery today.
2: It's a big industry. Get desperate for money, and will do anything to get it.
1: More than 1.2 million children are trafficked
2: every year. The ones that are being held are in places that are hard to find, without big neon lights, and they're places where the cameras don't go. It
1: doesn't always look like a brothel. The back room of a restaurant, massage parlor.
2: You'd be surprised at the places it takes place. There's a reason people come to Thailand to exploit sex. It's cheap here. You can go to Cambodia. It's even cheaper. You can go to Burma. It's even cheaper. Yeah, That's twenty dollar for one.
1: This isn't someone else's problem. As members of the human race, this is our
0: problem. Human
1: trafficking is completely preventable. i the hot mountain. We will always have our friendship in our lives. This is a global epidemic happening to our children, and we have got to join forces in combat. What we want people to know is that there is so much hope for these children. You know, we can't do anything to change the past, but we can walk with them into a bright future.
3: Good morning. Again, my name is Angela Foster. I am the U.S. Director of Operations for Rafa House. Um, Rafa means healing in Hebrew, so literally translated, we are a healing house. We are all about that complete care of of a survivor that's brought to us. Once a girl enters the gates of Rafa House, all we're going to do that first day is love on her. She doesn't know she's been rescued. She knows she's been moved uh, and sees a bunch of other little girls in this place. And so she doesn't feel safe with us, but we're going to work hard. We're going to take her to that bed and say, sweet girl, this is your bed. Only you can stay in this bed. These are your clothes. These are your toiletries. This is all yours. We're going to take her to the dining room and share with her that she's going to get three meals a day and two snacks. doesn't matter what she's done before. doesn't matter what she does in the future. We're just going to show her the love of Jesus when she walks through the gates. And then our team is going to work hard. Um, We have over 220 staff members, and only four of those are American. So we believe in using natives in each country to do the work that we do. We are in Thailand, Cambodia, and Haiti. And so our team that's divided up and used in uh, particular individual care for her it's a counselor, a social worker, and a house mother. And so we're going to meet her physical needs. Yes, we're going to also take her to the doctor. We're going to make sure that her medical and dental needs are cared for as well. And then that counselor is going to start counseling with her. We're going to walk with her on her road to healing. Everyone heals at a different rate. One of the questions I get asked a lot, Do how long do they stay? We have one that is in our Thai house right now. Our target is ages 6 to 18. She's 3 years old. We have another girl that's actually 22 because we don't have a safe place to put her. And so we don't age them out, but the average age of the girls that come to us are between 10 and 12. Mm-hmm. So we're going to counsel with her. We're going <clears> to <throat> give a social worker assigned to her that will go find her family, work with her family, because when you work with a family of, in the, that community, you change a community. And so we're going to work with their families. We're also going to get her an education. Wherever she left in her trafficking situation, if she never started school, i.e. the three-year-old, or if she left when she was 17 or 18 and still doesn't know how to read, write, and do math, we're going to teach them that in their own language. We're going to teach them English using the Bible in our counseling sessions and in our English teaching. And so we've also got... Vocational training for our girls, we have multitudes of training programs. One of those is sewing. We have an online gift shop that you can shop for those um, items. We also are going to work with their families, and we have agricultural training programs for the families so that they can have a life that is getting out of that poverty. We want them to be sustainable when she returns. Then the most important thing I feel like we do is we take each case to court. We are going to fight for her. Um, The largest, the most significant we have to date in prosecution, a man got life in prison. We don't win every case, but we're going to take every case to court. As our social workers were out in those villages, we saw so many children at risk. So yes, we started in the safe house business, and we now have a prevention side. We have a, sponsor- a child sponsorship program, and the next video that you're gonna see is about how we work with children. We have over 900 children sponsored. So that means the children in these communities' lives are being changed, communities are being changed. So please watch this.
4: Right now, children are born into a world where they will be the target of sex trafficking world where, without proper intervention, education, and protection, they will become one of the one million children trafficked globally. Kids Club stands on the front lines to protect those who can't protect themselves. Serving as the prevention arm of Rafa House International, our programs are intentionally located in impoverished and vulnerable communities where children are at the greatest risk. Your commitment is essential to prevent and end trafficking and sexual exploitation, one child at a time. When you sponsor a Kids Club child, you provide an education to break the cycle of poverty, giving opportunity for a better life, but what truly sets the program apart is that each child is assigned to a social worker working in a one-on-one atmosphere to empower and protect each child at kids club we are passionate about keeping children safe these relationships built on trust create a strong and safe community unlike any they have ever experienced And this environment provides a perfect platform for a child to first experience the love of Jesus. Kids Club is currently serving in two of the largest cities in Cambodia, with a third location in Thailand. For only $40 a month, you can provide a child with empowerment, safety, education, and the assurance that Jesus loves them. A child at risk needs your help today. When you sponsor a child, you change their life. Forever.
0: Each of the ministries you're being introduced to today have a table out in the lobby. We we'll encourage you to stop and talk with them afterward, and that's where you could go and talk with Angela about the child sponsorship. What does that look like? What's involved with all that? She can fill you in more details uh, regarding what Rafa House is doing there. With us this morning is Ted and Jen Bertelson. They're ministering in Ethiopia. We've been working with them now for about three or four years. I forget the exact time frame it's been. They were here about 18 months ago and shared with us. Their ministry goes into several different avenues, but helping uh, girls who are being trafficked uh, is a major part of this. And so they have a video that touches on that and the rest of their ministry, which is really good because I want us to get the full aspect of what they're doing as we support them and come alongside them. And I just got to tell you, I watched their video this week and I was just blown away to see... The, the move of God and where things have grown over the last 18 months or so and so let's uh, take a few minutes and hear from them via, via their video
2: Ted and Jennifer have been serving with CMF in Ethiopia for the past seven years they have served and mentored people from all walks of life including prostitutes and trafficked women young medical professionals inexperienced church planters entire remote communities of illiterate, impoverished herders and struggling farmers. They have met each of these people with hearts and hands wide open with the love of Jesus and practical help in making their lives better. They can do these things because you stand behind them with faithful prayer and financial support. Here's a brief look at some of the amazing things God has done in Ethiopia through Ted and Jennifer and you. Elilta Women at Risk is a residential training program started by an Ethiopian woman in 1996 to rescue prostitutes and sex-trafficked young girls from prostitution. As a way of becoming self-sustaining, Iwar created Elilta Products, which produces handmade jewelry, scarves, handbags, and soaps, and operates several coffee shops and cafes. Ted and Jennifer have been instrumental in the growth of Elilta Products. They developed a business plan a menu and marketing for the coffee shops and cafes. Jennifer designs jewelry that will appeal to the Western market. Ted has written multiple grants that continue to assist in the expansion of the Lilta products, also known as EP. They have introduced EP into Western trade shows and are now 100% responsible for marketing EP in the West. As a result of this hard work, nearly 1,000 women have escaped prostitution. More than 750 of those have been baptized. 90% have stayed out of prostitution. 100% of the children of these women who have gone through EWAR's program received education that will change their lives. 100% of the women have learned a new trade. Many have started their own businesses, and many others are employed by EP to make the products that fund the program to help even more women escape their lives of desperation. Seven years ago, God led Ted to a young nurse named Lowe who begged for his help in becoming an evangelist and church planter. Over a period of two years, Ted worked with Loaton and some of his friends to begin the Christian Church of Ethiopia. As of today, they have planted 67 churches among eight people groups or tribes. More than 4,500 people have been baptized. There are 30 unpaid evangelists and pastors who continue to grow the churches. Lowatun went back to school and earned a theology degree. They have only four church buildings, so Ted and Jennifer's future goal is to build structures for the congregations that are larger than 100 people or that are high in rainfall areas. When Ted began planting churches in the South Omo Valley, he found that there was no medical care of any level within a two-day journey. So he started a small clinic and asked his coworker, Lowatun, a nurse, to operate it. But the valley still needed a doctor. God led Ted to a young woman named Mehron, who wanted to become a doctor. He agreed to pay for her medical school if she would commit 40% of her time to medical care in the South Omo Valley. This amazing woman is now second in her class and completing her internship. Partners like you help pay for her training, and the remote South Omo Valley will soon have free medical care. Life for the Nyangatan people in the South Omo Valley is difficult. 90% are illiterate. There are very few schools because teachers will not live there. In yet another God-directed encounter, Ted met a missionary in Uganda with a doctorate in educational linguistics who knows the language of the Nyangatom people. She is donating her time to develop educational materials for the Nyangatom people. These will be used in the Bible schools to teach people to read and write. Through this church planting project, Ted and Jennifer can begin to cure an intergenerational deficiency that the government hasn't been able to solve. Solar operated audio Bibles will also be purchased with donors' funds so these people can hear the Bible and come to know Jesus. The entire South Omo Valley has been a pastoralist society for generations. Subsistence living has been the norm. Now the area is undergoing a slow transformation to a less mobile agricultural tribal society. They need to develop ways to move beyond subsistence living. Ted and Jennifer are helping with this need by introducing income-generating activities into the community. The first project that has been completed is a peanut farm. Future projects will include a guesthouse, bakery, coffee shop, wind-powered grain-grinding system, and a solar-powered charging system. Ted and Jennifer thank Centerpoint Christian Church for your love and support that has made these and many other ministries in Ethiopia possible over the past seven years. With God's direction and your encouragement, they hope to continue to lift up the name of Jesus in the remote corners of Ethiopia for years to come.
0: You can see from their video, ministry is growing and exploding, and so Ted and Jen are going to come and share specifically about their ministry and helping women who have been enslaved.
5: Um, Thank you for having us back. As uh, Brian said, it's been about 18 months and we're just glad to be back. Um, I think we started off as friends and now we've become family, so we appreciate um, you inviting us back here again. I just wanted to add a couple of things to what you saw in the video and then we can talk more out in the lobby for those of you who are interested afterwards. Um, One of the reasons there's an issue of sex trafficking is because prostitution is legal in Ethiopia and sex trafficking Thing is literally never enforced and so it is kind of a free-for-all there um, and so there really are no governmental or societal restraints on what's going on and so it is programs like this that this Ethiopian woman started that are really going to be what's going to change things um, and realizing that need about a year and a half ago two years ago roughly Um, They started a prevention program, so they're working with the federal government, the Department of Education, with the mosques, with the imams, with the leaders of the Ethiopian Orthodox Church um, to um, begin some prevention programs. So uh, um, some of their funds are actually going to um, essentially establish a prevention program in all of the schools, especially in the capital city. Um, So... Over the next decade, we're hoping to be able to get um, some access to every single school in Addis Ababa, Ethiopia, and really get um, kind of the, the thing resolved at the, at the um, slowly, very slowly, start changing society, I guess is what I'm saying. Um, and the reason we are here and our involvement with the program, because the program itself is incredibly well run by this wonderful Ethiopian um, group of people that have started the program even before we came to Ethiopia. But what their real need is, is to expand the program. Ethiopia is the fourth poorest country in the world, and it's pretty difficult to establish a, a really excellent business plan that's going to make them self-sustaining. So our job and our goal is to make them self-sustaining to, within the next couple of years, uh, increase tenfold the number of women that we minister to, and so we've created a self-sustainability project, and I think Jennifer will maybe say a few words about that.
6: Yeah, just to say a little bit more about that. When we first went over seven years ago, um, we had a pretty good description of uh, what Ted was going to do, and that changed a little when we got there. But for the first three years we were there, it's I was very supportive. I um, helped with many different things, but I didn't feel like that the project that God brought me there to do, I didn't feel like I knew what that was yet. And um, so I kept praying about that because I felt in my heart there was a specific thing he brought me to do. And I, when I learned about the program, the Alilta Women at Risk program, I started volunteering there and um, felt really drawn to what they were doing, felt like it was a really good program that I wanted to be a part of. But my prayer to God was, if I help this organization, how can I help them be self-sustaining? Because... For the last 20 years, they've been doing a lot with the women, but they relied on outside funds. So I, my prayer was, show me, if I'm supposed to do this, what I can do to help them. And that's through the next year or so after that, he showed me how I could help at Alilta Products, to help with design, to help get a distribution more here in the U.S. And the other thing that I saw that was... Um, Huge when I was going every day and working where their headquarters was, where it is located, is that um, as we get more distribution, then they are also able to um, expand the people that they hire. Um, just to say real shortly, it's hard to understand it, but um, each jewelry, the piece of jewelry that you see out there, is melted down from bullet casings, and we have a video that we can give you a link to, so that you can go see how that's made. It's pretty amazing that every little bead is made by hand. And um, when you when you when a person purchases a scarf or a piece of jewelry, yes, the money all goes back, the profits all go back to the women in their program. But what I also saw going in every day, they their administration offices is are located in one of the poorest parts of the city there. And when we expand the program and we have new orders, then they are also able to hire the poor women that are there in the area. The other thing that happens is when the women that are that work there, they have a program where those women that work at Iloota Products, their children, um, they help them with payment for their for their uniforms and for their backpacks and books and things like that that they need at school. So it expands not just, I mean, it's a wonderful program and expands to the women we're helping, but it also expands to the community that they're located in.
0: I hope you'll take some time to talk with Ted and Jen, learn more about their their ministry. You know, when we talk about this kind of stuff, it's so easy, I know because I've sat in presentations like this before, it's so easy to kind of shut our mind down and go, uh, Thailand, Ethiopia, how can I possibly make a difference there? I don't know how I'm going there. And a lot of times we think that's somewhere off somewhere else. And so it's easy for us to kind of shut down and close to that. But we we know, because we see the reports, we hear the news, we know this issue is also a Lexington issue. We know what's taking place. Trafficking, women being trafficked is right here in our own city. And so we are working with and partnering with an organization here called Natalie Sisters. Natalie Sisters is ministering to women who are enslaved right here in our own city. And so we're going to watch their video, and then we're going to hear from Samantha uh, Moore, one of their speakers and presenters here, as she comes and shares about her involvement with their ministry. Sisters is a first-touch ministry. Uh, It's an outreach to sexually exploited women. Uh, We meet women wherever they are. Uh, Sometimes it's in the clubs, the strip clubs in Lexington. It could be on the street. The women who are working in prostitution on the street could be in jail or in the hospital. Uh, We get a lot of referrals from police officers. So we work with any woman who has been sexually exploited or trafficked. And we provide, uh, like I said, it's a first-touch ministry. So we meet women uh, on the front line. We provide uh, basic needs and resources food, clothing, toiletries, that sort of thing as well as we focus a lot on community resource referrals and trying to get ladies into detox and rehab.
4: I mean we wake up every morning trying to figure out what we're gonna eat and who knows where you end up waking up.
3: For that matter,
4: it te- it taught me a lot. It teaches me a lot still every day to not be greedy, thankful for the that you have. I don't know. It's really hard, definitely, especially me being my age. I'm only 27, and I'm pretty confident enough to say that I've probably faced more than what a lot of 40-year-old women have just being out here. Um, we actually look forward to this, and it's not just me. A lot of girls
6: look forward to this. We're very thankful that you guys do come in. We have no clue how many mornings that we woke up and been really hungry or just wanted somewhere to go, even if there wasn't any food or clothing or nothing involved. How many times that we come up here just wanting somebody just to be around us that are actually that we do come up here i mean we're very grateful
2: yeah, i know for me here it's a blessing uh, if it wasn't for this place we wouldn't have nowhere to go
7: Sisters, as mentioned, uh, serves women here in central Kentucky area, and it's an outreach ministry for those that are sexually exploited. Natalie's Sisters, it operates from the scripture, Matthew 25, verses 31 through 40. When Jesus tells the disciples, the king will say, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance. The kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. And then the righteous will answer, Lord, when did we do any of those things? And the king replies, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. It's from the scripture that they've developed the three aspects of the ministry. The members of the ministry serve sexually exploited women in adult entertainment clubs, those on the street, and those currently incarcerated. At least once a week, all three prongs of the ministry serve in some capacity. For the women in the clubs, they provide warm, homemade meals, that are delivered into the clubs and it's a way to provide friendships with the women and the staff. For women who are working in the clubs or on the street, it's a way, they, I'm sorry, they have a uh, drop-in center. And it's a way that they um, provide respite, food, clothing, and other essential needs. Volunteers also take food to women currently active in the lifestyle of sexual exploitation on the street. And for the women who are incarcerated at the local jail, a team attends each week to discuss future options and to share the love of Christ. Whether the volunteers are serving by going into the clubs, the jail, or the street, they have one purpose in common, and that's to be the face of Jesus and to meet the women where they are right now. It's a radical way of serving, but it works. There's a sister who goes to the drop-in often, and I asked her one day what she would say about Nally's sisters. She said, It is a living testimony for what Christ has called us to do. There's no judgment, but instead love and compassion. Instead of saying, Go and be well, they have a house on 7th Street and said, Let us help you be well. And I don't know if you caught it, but on the video, another sister said, Even if there wasn't any food or clothes or anything involved, we come here because there are people here who want to be around us and are actually happy to see us come. I've seen firsthand the impact the ministry has had on both the members of the team and the women that they serve. It's a -a one-of-a-kind ministry, and I really appreciate that we had the opportunity to share with you all We do have a table out there. There's a 5K coming up that you can be involved in. And uh, please uh, look us up on Facebook and like the page for updates and needs and any other events that are going on.
0: We want to take some time and uh, just have a little discussion with each of these different ministries. One thing we know for sure is that it is impossible to cover this topic in a short 40-minute time on Sunday morning. You're talking about millions of girls that have been affected and are being affected. I think 1.2 million was the number per year. And so my hope is that we at least pique some hearts and some mind and some interest to say, this is something that I can get involved in. There's a way for me to get plugged in. And so... I just wanted to spend a few moments talking individually. We as a church uh, take part of our Sunday offerings, our, our annual offering, and right now the budget number is $6,000 a year goes into this ministry area between these three ministries. That's a, that's a drop in a bucket, but it's a help. It's a start. They've talked about doing child sponsorship. They have some different ways that you can maybe buy some products and be involved. Uh, Nancy Horn, would you stand up for a moment? Nancy Horn, is one who introduced us to Natalie's sister. She served with Natalie's sister, started that about two years ago. Uh, you say, I want to know more. How can you get plugged in? She'd be the one to talk to. You could, to if it's not today. But I want to ask all of you sitting here today, because sometimes I think when we're out here sitting, we're like, look at what they're doing. Look at how did they get there. And sometimes we think, I'm not there. I can't possibly get there. I want to know what you were doing prior to your involvement, so to speak of this kind of ministry. Ted, let's we'll start down there with you You all.
5: Um, before I do that, I just want to say that it's easy to um, sorry. it's easy to look at these women as victims, but the reality is um, every one of us out here is broken. Every one of us has had some struggle in life, and so it really is nothing more or less than simply coming alongside your brothers and sisters and and loving them into the kingdom. And so whatever your involvement, whether it's monetary, whether it's prayer, whatever it is, whether it's time invested, um, I guess I'm saying don't pity them because they're no different than you, you or I. So to answer your question, I guess that's why I'm in Ethiopia, because I was broken. Um, God fixed it. Um, I was a banker, um, and I figured I would just retire um, with the American dream, and God broke me. And so at age 58, um, we kind of gave everything up and went to Ethiopia, and God has just been doing some amazing things, not because of us, but in spite of us. And I said it in a sermon a couple weeks ago, all God's looking for is somebody who's willing to be willing. And so that's how we ended up there.
6: And just to um, say a little bit more about that, um, We, the two of us actually met uh, some years ago <laughs> doing um, an inner city work through our college in Chicago. And so we actually met doing that, and we had a heart for missions at, at that age. And we got married, we had our children, you know, life kind of takes over, so... Um, at the time, um, 2000, I guess it was 2007, we did a short two-week, three-week trip with our church just to um, come alongside some missionaries that were in Ethiopia. They weren't in the city, but they were in the countryside. And um, when we did that, it kind of sparked in both of us, I think, what had been there for many years. And we came back, and we started talking about it, and we thought, you know, Our children, we have two girls. Our oldest is now 31 and our youngest 28, and they're both married now, but they had just both moved out of the house. And we thought, you know, if we're going to do something, we both got called to do it and felt in our hearts, and we said, well, let's look into what that means. And it was just for us then a process of saying, hmm, let's fill out this application and let's just see what God does. And at the time, we didn't even expect it to be Ethiopia, but... God took us there. <laughs> we didn't know that when we started. but um, so basically, um, we've been raising our kids and we decided, okay, um, this is the time to do it. And I just one of the things I really feel like I've learned the last seven years, you know, we we ended up there without, especially the first year you get into a new culture and right away you find out, You're reminded of (laughs) where you don't feel adequate, where you don't feel like you're ready to do this, and why am I here, and how did I get here? And I think through that process, God taught us that he was working in Ethiopia, and he blessed us and said, come alongside me and, and help me. And we didn't change. We didn't learn anything about how to be Um, extremely effective or anything like that. What we learned is that in our brokenness, in our hardness, God works anyway. And so when you say yes, and you ask, what can I do? Then he will come alongside you and show you, and he works in spite of who we are and our failings.
0: (laughs) At the age of 58, you said, Ted, and so your kids were more young 20s, mid-20s. Yeah, yeah. So when most children are kind of leaving the coop, you all said, no, we're leaving the coop, right? <laughs> you said, we're out of here.
7: Yes.
0: I, I know from last time you are here, that was a little bit of a challenge one time yeah. to get into that, but adjusting with yeah. your children, going, wait, yeah. mom and dad are leaving.
5: Yeah. but and,
0: uh, it's, and I just don't want us to miss this, church. You said, Ted, you know, while we were pursuing the American dream, you know, the whole American dream, load my bank account, get to the point, I can wholly retire sometime in my mid-60s. Uh, You you flipped it upside down because of the nudge of the Spirit saying... Well, Our oldest
6: daughter, actually, the day that we had everything moved out of our house, she said to me, well, you just took my house away. You just took my home away. Mm. Here she had moved out, and I was just like, what? (laughs) And um, that was kind of not a high point for me because of, you know, what am I doing to my daughter, but what... What also came to me just a couple of days later from a friend who was a missionary that said, you make this step and you take this step, God will take care of your children. Yeah. And what was amazing is that that first year we got there, our oldest daughter had not made a commitment that much to God. And that first year, we were gone. She started sending emails to Ted saying, Dad, I have this question about, this about the Bible. I have the question about this, and yeah. we when we were gone, she made that commitment yeah. to God. So,
0: so I just want to encourage you, church. Um, look at at fifty eight years old and say, all right, I'm, I'm going where the Spirit leads. We can do that. Some of you are all approaching that stage of life. I'm not quite there yet, but uh, getting close. Angela, tell us a bit about your journey into this type of ministry.
3: I was just like you. I was sitting in church and heard about the ministry. And the pastor's wife was very passionate. She'd been on a couple of what we call awareness trips, which are the ones I lead twice a year. Uh, So she said, hey, we're leading a trip. Do you want to go? And my husband and I, in any congregation we'd ever been a part of, we were part of the mission committee. And I'd heard about Rafa House there, and they challenged. We were changing the way we do things and became a liaison for Rafa House. So I drove up to Joplin, which is about an hour from where I live. And I visited with them and thought, okay, this is a really cool thing to do. You know, okay, I'll be, I'll be your liaison. And so I would always do the updates and report to the mission committee and the church about what Rapha House is doing. And so I went on this trip eight years ago and was blown away by what they do on the ground. They do what they say they're doing, that holistic approach, using nationals in every country. There's, like I said, only four Americans that work. One of those is because she's married to the Haitian director. Um, And so I came back just totally sold out, started driving an hour every week to volunteer with this ministry, and then went on staff about five months later. So
0: You were sharing something on First Service about you having a business or something.
3: Yes, I owned um, a gymnastics facility for kids, had owned that for 10 years, and mostly because our daughter was a level 10 gymnast, that's why we got into that business. But... Um, sold that business. All three of our kids have worked in that business, but I sold that business uh, early on in 2010 and helped my, my father and mother-in-law. Um, my father-in-law was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, so that I, in order to help them, they moved in with us. He passed away in March of 2011, and I went on my first trip in October. My mother-in-law still lives with us so my whole family's involved. My husband usually comes with me, but his mother is not feeling well, and so he stayed back with her. But um, it really does grab your heart, any ministry, that you say, Lord, what can I do? And you are open to that. You may, it may change. We had a lady that went on the very same trip I went on, and she's now a missionary in Papua New Guinea. So, I mean, he moves in very mysterious ways, but just being open.
0: I think... Um... What's really interesting is that this is a holiday weekend. So some folks would say, why did you choose to do this on Labor Day weekend? And um, again, just trying to follow God's leading in this. Angela was coming here this weekend for a a wedding and said, hey, I'm going to be in town. Can I get with your church? And so we were having those kind of discussions. And then Ted and Jen was like, hey, we're coming into town on this weekend. And So we looked at that and said, God told us, this is the Sunday to put this before Center Point Christian Church. Mm -hmm. And then we reached out to Natalie Sisters and says, are you available? Now, a little bit different here, Samantha's journey, because she's not like she's just picked up and moved across the the continent or or went to full-time ministry with a ministry organization, but she's serving. She didn't share this when she was telling her story a little bit, but she's actually Sergeant Samantha Moore, who uh, works in our Lexington Police Department. And so talk about your journey in intersecting here with Natalie's sisters and how the two kind of work together. Uh,
7: Sure. So in 2010, I was um, an officer, and I worked in a part of town that um, was kind of known for prostitution, known for the red light district, and um, came across a couple of women that I got close to and would see them over and over. And myself and two other officers um, kind of found ourselves in a situation where we were putting women in jail over and over and nothing ever changed. And we wanted to do more. At the time, one of the officers' wives was serving with Bruce Reed, and that ministry would provide the home-cooked meals into the adult entertainment clubs. And at that time, that ministry wanted to do something more for the women who were on the street in the active lifestyle of sexual exploitation. And it was, of course, God's timing. We wanted to do more on our side as police, and they wanted to do more. And because of that connection with the officer's wife, we formed a partnership, and Um, Eventually, Natalie's sisters actually formed into the umbrella ministry, and Bruce Reed came under that.
0: You said you were part of it before Natalie's sisters. Right. Yeah. So it
7: didn't have a name when we started. It was still Bruce Reed, um, and they just knew that they wanted to do more. We had no idea what it was going to look like. It was very messy in the beginning. Um, We all just knew that we wanted to help the women stop the cycle of sexual exploitation.
0: What kind of time, I didn't ask you this for a service, what kind of time do you put in at Natalie Sisters? Is it just when you're serving as a police officer, or is there above and beyond that? How does that, what does that look like?
7: It's usually just whenever um, questions come up, or um, I do still serve on the street ministry, where Nancy and I will go into Cardinal Valley, and we provide um, lunch sacks for women that we see, um, so I still try to do that, and then um, I'm an ambassador for the ministry to come speak.
0: Okay, all right. So one thing I, I really like for us to think about is involvement, because especially we think about Ethiopia or Thailand and the different countries you all are touching into, it's like, how do I get involved in that? Um, maybe someone here's heart's going to be tugged, and maybe someone's going to become the next Ted and Jen or Angela and go, I need to go on a trip, and God will move in that way larger percentage probably typically doesn't do that. So how do we get involved? How do we hands-on touch into each of these different ministries?
3: Well, I think for all of us, I can speak for all of us, um, the, the most important thing you can do is pray. Not only pray for perpetrators, because they're broken people that break people. They make a lot of money doing this business. And so if you pray for them, to change This is totally preventable. I would love to take Rafa House out of business because it's not needed anymore. But it's totally preventable and we need to pray for the traffickers. But you also need to pray for these girls, not because we pity them, but because they were created as daughters of the king. And so all of us need that prayer. Rafa House specifically, you can sponsor a specific safe house for $40 a month. You can sponsor a child for $40 a month. Financial help is always needed. Uh, and then you can also go on a trip with us. And all of those things we can talk about uh, at a later time, but those are ways that you could get involved.
5: Um, two, two things, I guess I would say. Um you're certainly welcome to come visit in Ethiopia. Um, it will break your heart, but it'll also change your life. Um, in practical ways, our our goal is simply to take the awesome ministry that God started in 1996 and take it to the level that it needs to go to. For instance, to visit every school in in Addis Ababa, Ethiopia, is going to take resources and that type of thing. Um, Samaritan's Purse is their primary um, stakeholder. Um, At some point in time, Samaritan's Purse is going to move on, and they are going to need to become self-sustaining, so we've really been working on the self-sustainability piece. What that means is, in reality, what can you do besides pray? Um, we have products that they these girls make that you can purchase. We'll eventually have them online, um, but we brought some here today, for instance. Um, if you're a business person um, and you have um, heart for um, fair trade, products or you run a fair trade store or you're a wholesaler or you know a wholesaler or, or or, you know, any, anybody who has any connections that we can network to um, really just get their products in the hands of people because you're not just buying a product, you're also buying a story and you really are really changing lives just through the purchase of a piece of jewelry and that type of thing.
6: And specifically on that same line, um, one of the things that we really are working and praying about doing is having a distribution center here in the U.S. And that way, we can have an online presence. So that way, when somebody does can purchase something online, but we will need we that involves having an investment of inventory that we can have here. So that's a practical thing we're looking and praying about. And, um, along that line, God, this is what God does, um, a year and a half ago, he brought someone to us that said, I want to help get your product on Amazon, and he already knew all about how to do that, um. Took him maybe eight months later to contact us again, but we actually have product that we hope to be online in November. And what's amazing about his offer is he said, "I will help you get it there, and any profit that's made, we will turn back to the women." So,
0: wow,
6: it was just God. <laughs>
0: that's really awesome. Now, distribution center, do you have someone already in line doing that, or are you just praying? No, that's what we
6: uh, need to have. That's okay. what, we, in order for us to be able to have an online presence, we have to be able to have. Someplace where that order can go to, and then it so can that be. So, that could sent be out. someone
0: in this church. If God's tugging her heart, that they say, I'll exactly. open up and run a distribution center to help you figure out what that yeah. is. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, what do you, what, how do we get plugged in with Natalie sisters?
7: So, like we've mentioned, we're local, and there's the three prongs of the ministry. So, there is the team that provides the home cooked meals to the clubs. And that involves people cooking. So you could be on the cook team and make lasagna and bread and brownies one week. Um, And then they need people to actually go into the clubs. And they need men to provide security for those women that go into the clubs. The men do not go into the clubs. They stay out in a van and make sure that everything is going okay outside. And they keep in contact with the women inside the club. There's the street ministry ministry who they um, have the drop-in center, which is open four days a week, four hours at a time. They need volunteers to be hostesses there. Um, That's where they serve the women with lunches, snacks, they talk with them, they pray with them, they give them um, resources, referrals to whatever they may need in that stage of their life. Um, The the street ministry also includes those that drop-off meals Um, into some of our well-known areas of town. And then they also have the jail ministry where once a week members go into the jail and speak with women who have been vetted through a process and they're in the target population and have asked for contact from Natalie's sisters. We have people who are on a prayer team. We have people who pack the lunches that go to the street teams. There's a variety of ways to serve and of course monetary donations are always accepted.
0: And a 5k, you said virtual 5k oh, yeah, thank you. Yes So, so there's a-,
7: a virtual 5k coming up October 1st through the 12th I believe. and you sign up, you sign, you pay a registration fee just like you would for any 5k, but you do it where you want, when you want and you know how you want. So if you want to do it on a scooter, do it on a scooter. <laughs>
0: I thought virtual 5K, I set up my computer and just kind of hit some buttons, I'm running it, it works out, that's good for me. Um, So would you all thank them for being here today? I want to encourage you, church, when when we wrap up here, to stop out there in the lobby, say hi, introduce yourself. Get to know them a little bit. See, I know uh, some of the beautiful products that Ted and Jen have. There's also some stuff there with Natalie's sisters. would encourage you to, to look at what they've brought with them. I want to encourage you to start praying. It's where it all starts at for us, to start praying. God, what's my involvement? God, what do I do? God, how do we support? How do, how do we follow along? We're going to put together this service in a video and then we'll send that out along with contact information to the websites and a key person's email address. So if you go, how do I, how do I reach that person, Natalie's sister? So you can email them directly and say, i Centerpoint Christian Church and heard it. You know, I want to know more. I want to see how to get involved. I encourage you to get involved as God directs you to get involved. I want you to go back to the verse with me as we move towards our time of communion. Because I think what we're talking about applies directly to every one of us. Go back to the verse, Proverbs chapter 31. Speak up for those who have no voice. You think about that verse for a moment. Speak up for those who have no voice. Is that not exactly what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross? We didn't have a voice to deal with our sin. We didn't have a voice to deal with our plight of of where we were. Being separated from God, separated for eternity, unless someone spoke up for us. And that's exactly what Jesus did when he died on the cross. He spoke up for us, he was our voice. This is for the rights of all those who are destitute. We are destitute because of our sin, but because of what happens on the cross, because of the blood of Jesus, we're no longer destitute. Speak up and judge fairly, defend the rights of the poor and the needy. We were poor, we were needy, we needed a Savior. So as we come to this time of communion, and you move to the tables to receive communion, not only do you say, thank you, Lord. Thank you for speaking up for me. Thank you for seeing that I was needy. Thank you for seeing that I was destitute. Thank you that I've been rescued by the cross. Then you also pray for these women we've been talking about. Lord, may they see the cross. May they see Jesus. I like how Ted brought in, it's an issue of brokenness, and all of us have brokenness. And that they would know the blood of Jesus.